pray right now that God would fill your home with the presence of Jesus. Wherever you're watching right now, I pray, come Abba Father. Come anointed King. Come Holy, Holy Spirit. Transform living rooms and dining rooms and bedrooms into holy ground. Thank you that we're never alone. We can experience solitude, but that's a healthy thing sometimes. We're never alone. God is with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Speak to us today through your word, by your spirit. Allow us to hear the the heartbeat and the voice of our Father in heaven. And all God's people said, Amen. If you're watching at home with your family, uh, you have little ones there. If your parents do not say amen, let them know. Keep them on their toes, right? Because they can kind of slack off. I know they're sitting there in their like, uh, goofy slippers and their pajamas, but uh, we're having church. We're in the presence of God. We're here with God's people, in God's presence. We're going to open God's word. We're going to hear, I believe, God's heart. And we're going to be mobilized for God's work. Yes, I have uh, a mask in case you're wondering. But in my case, I wouldn't be able to read my notes because my glasses would fog up. But I did wear it on the way here. I wore it on the way uh, back home. Uh, observe social distancing when you go outside because it keeps us healthy and strong. I am excited to talk to you today about Psalm 93. been thinking about this week for quite a while, and uh, the, the flow of uh, what uh, Lent involves, this process and period of time from Ash Wednesday to this week, Palm Sunday, and then on Thursday night, the time that Jesus spent with his followers in the upper room, the Last Supper, and the time of his, as the master, kneeling to wash their feet to show us what servanthood looks like, and then his time in the garden, where in his honesty, in the challenge that he was facing, a challenge for his very life, Jesus showed us how to live in times of crisis because he invited three friends to pray with him. They didn't do so well, but he invited three friends to pray with them, and that encourages me. Because every one of us, we need each other. We need each other's prayer and, and, and encouragement and partnership. I was thinking about Palm Sunday, and I didn't prepare a traditional Palm Sunday message where, where Jesus comes into the city and the people of Israel of that time are hoping for a political revolution a political change, and the one who is called the Lord, the Master. Uh, ironically, because in that world, Caesar was the Lord. He was known as the Son of God. These were titles given to Caesar, but Jesus came, who was the one who was born, King of the Jews, Son of God. And he came and entered the city of the King, Jerusalem. But he did so with humility. He did so on a donkey, not in the way people expected he came as Jesus came, quietly, gently, not imposing his will, not 
a big talker, not braggadocious. He came as a servant. But there's a psalm that kind of captures what happened on that incredible day. And uh, that's Psalm 93. And I want us to do uh, two things. I want to invite us to stand and read God's word. So uh, you're at home, you may feel self-conscious doing that, but that's okay. Sometimes we can be in church and feel self-conscious doing that. I invite you to stand for the reading of God, God's word. It's only five verses. And let's ask God to speak to us in our moment of coronavirus crisis. Let's ask God to speak to us about reality. Would you join me? The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established, firm and secure. And your throne was established long ago. You were from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. But mightier than the thunder of the great waters and mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. And holiness adorns or beautifies your house for endless days. Now, God, we believe that you inspired the psalmist, King David, David the shepherd. And we believe that you enabled him to compose these and have these recorded and passed along in a way that maybe up to 3,000 years later, we can receive fresh hope, encouragement, and life from these words. So we pray you'd help us to understand these words in this psalm, to sort of sing them aloud in our hearts, and more than any, anything, would you help us to live into the reality to which these words point us? In the name of Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. What do we learn from this? Four things that we are let in on through the words of this psalm. Number one, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. And some of you are sitting at home thinking, that's not real profound. That's how the psalm begins. It's indeed how the psalm begins. You notice I have the Lord reigns with a exclamation point. That's because uh, Old Testament scholar Derek Kidner writes in his little commentary on the Psalms that the construction of the Hebrew here is sort of like an, an interjection. It's as if there should be a, a, an exclamation point, a point of emphasis added here. So I've added it to the point. Number one, God reigns. This is where reality begins. And, and it's not that God reigned past tense or that he will reign future tense. It's that he reigns past, present, and future. In the New Testament, we learn that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord reigns. And it describes how he's clothed. He's clothed with beauty and he's clothed with strength. He is robed in majesty. 
our cross today as we head into Passion Week is uh, robed in the color of purple, the color of the king, to signify the fact that he reigns. And as we look around us, it doesn't always look like he reigns. It doesn't always feel like the Lord reigns, but he reigns. And he is robed in majesty. He is robed in majesty. He says it a second time. There's repetition over and over uh, throughout this psalm. There's a repetition at the beginning and the end about things that are, that are set in place and established and secure and stable. He is robed in majesty. He is robed in majesty and armed with strength. He's like a king, like David the king would be, uh, armed for battle going out in full armor, going out with full weaponry, going out to conquer, going out to, to make things right. He's on his throne, but he's ready to go. Indeed, the world is established firm and secure. And the reason that the world is established and it's firm and secure, even though right now a lot of times it doesn't feel very secure, is because your throne, God, was established long ago. You are from all eternity. You had no beginning. You will have no end. That's our security here. We feel weak in these days. We feel unsure. We feel confused. We feel edgy. We feel vulnerable. But these, this language, your God reigns, we need to hear. More than hearing, it's a psalm. It's intended to be sung. We need to sing it. We need to shout it, if you will. We need to express it with confidence in our hearts every day. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty. He is armed with strength. The world is established firm and secure because your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The kingdom of God was not thrown together with slipshod workmanship. God here appears in full, magnificent, armed for battle. The physical world is established because the throne is established. But the world of men and women, our world, is established only insofar as God's throne is acknowledged. When we acknowledge his throne, when we are able to say, the Lord reigns, our Lord reigns, my Lord reigns, then we have security and stability as well. Number two, number one, the Lord reigns. Number two, but our world is being rocked. Our world is being rocked. As a reminder to prayer, uh, I keep open as one of the tabs on my internet browser, I keep open a browser that shows the world. We've shown it in previous messages. I don't have that for you today, but it was heartbreaking a couple days ago to watch the total number of confirmed cases soar past one million people worldwide. One million people worldwide. Wide. Absolutely heartbreaking. But that's confirmed cases. We know there are probably many more cases than that. Our world is being rocked. 
heartbreaking to watch the number of people who have lost their lives to this pernicious virus already. Tens of thousands, over 8,000 in America, twice the number of people have lost their lives to this vicious assailant than lost their lives in the attacks of 9-11. Our world is being rocked. Some of us feel somewhat secure in our homes, our neighborhoods, our communities. But this disease gets closer. We had students who had a teacher at their school, public high school, who was at work before the social isolation began. And they were, because of that, exposed. They've tested positive and they're free from that immediate quarantine. But now we're all on quarantine. Our world is being rocked. The disease has touched our house. Uh, our daughter-in-law, Michelle, is a nurse. We need to pray for doctors, nurses, military personnel. But she was exposed at work from someone who had the virus and came in when they should not have come in. And so we've gone through uh, the waiting, the uncertainty, the anxiety, the concern. She was able to get tested last week. We praise God that testing is becoming more and more available, more and more widespread. So she was tested. She tested negative for the disease. We praise God for the all clear. But our world is being rocked. One of our members has an uncle, beloved uncle, who's in the hospital right now. I believe in a coma because of the effects of the COVID-19 virus that causes the coronavirus. Our world is being rocked. We're afraid, we're frightened, we're confused, we're assailed by too much information. I've shared about this a little bit in my daily encouragements, I think a day or so ago. So much information to keep track of and sometimes competing information. Initially, we were told that uh, you and I, as ordinary people, we don't need to wear masks. Today, uh, every person in this room has a mask on except for me. It tells you something about me, but I'm probably the one who needs to be wearing the mask, but uh, I wouldn't see a thing through my glasses with the fog. So uh, I'll wear it as soon as I'm done. But our world is being rocked. Look at the text of the psalmist, verse 3. The seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up. You, you don't want to be in the ocean when it begins to lift up. Sometimes you might watch that, that show, Deadliest Catch, hosted by Micro. Absolutely terrifying. My friend Jimmy Liu used to be a commercial fisherman and spent time in some boats, and he has told me some, well, they might be fish stories, but they're fishing stories, and they're stories about the kinds of things that you encounter in the open seas and the height of waves that tower above a boat sounds petrifying to me. I've been in the ocean at times when I've been swept out to sea. Long story, won't get into that here, but when the seas have lifted up, it's paralyzing. But they haven't just lifted up, there's a second line. The seas have lifted up their voice. Now there's loudness, now there's the clamor, now there's the noise, and then a third uh, emphasis, repetition, but now uh, 
enhancement. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. We're being having the waves, waves uh, break upon us. We're not sure we're going to make it. Our world is being rocked. That's the present. That's the present. And yet, the psalmist always takes us back to our anchor, our stability, our foundation. Write down number three. And yet, God's got this. God's got this. The fact that we're in this situation is a reminder that in this world, we don't have a whole lot of control. And whatever semblance of control we had illusions that we had has been pretty powerfully stripped away as we're reduced to saying, hey, got a couple extra rolls of toilet paper. Hey, you have any bottled water? Hey, we're not so independent as uh, those of us who live in the United States of America who were founded on the Declaration of Independence. We're not as independent as we want to be, as we thought we were. We're actually a lot more interdependent. It's not just about America. It's about the whole world today. And our heart breaks for people all around the world, for the funerals that are going on, for the, for the funerals that are going on that families cannot attend. Tens of thousands of funerals and memorial services. Hundreds of thousands of homes torn apart. Hearts that are broken. Hearts that are grieving. People that weren't able to say goodbye to loved ones. We grieve. We cry out, how long? God, how long? Come quickly. Come to make things right. And so we believe, verse uh, number three, that God's got this, even though our world is being rocked. Because the seas that have lifted up have lifted up their voice, have lifted up their pounding waves. We read that mightier than the thunder of the great waters. In case we didn't get it, the psalmist just keeps on laying layer after layer. Mightier than the breakers of the sea. And those are fairly mighty as they break upon us. The Lord on high is mighty. Actually, in Hebrew, the word for Lord, Yahweh, it comes at the very end for emphasis. The seas have lifted up, the seas have lifted up their voice, the seas have lifted up their pounding waves, but mightier than the thunder of the great waters and mightier than the breakers of the sea. On high, mighty is the Lord. He goes, circles back to where he started. Our Lord reigns. Would you say that out loud with me? When you're right there at home, would you say it out loud? And kids, if you're watching, would you say it out loud? Our Lord reigns. You wouldn't do it by know what you wouldn't know it by kind of reading the newspaper or watching the evening news or hearing a late night talk show, but our Lord reigns. This psalm actually is all about the Lord. Five times that personal name for God that he revealed to Moses. Yahweh, the ever-existing one. Verse 1, the Lord reigns. The verse 2, the Lord is robed in majesty. Verse 3, the seas have lifted up, Lord. That's a plaintive cry here. We're, we're telling God our problems. That's what we're called to do. The seas have lifted up, Lord. 
Lord, are you listening? Lord, do you hear us? Lord, do you see what's going on? Lord, do you care? Lord, will you act? Lord, can you help us? But mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high, on high, mighty, above it all, mighty is the Lord. That's the fourth time. God's got this, men and women, boys and girls. God's got this. We don't minimize the, the grief. We don't minimize fear. We don't minimize the anxiety that so many are going through. We don't minimize the financial insecurity. We don't minimize the, the pain and the difficulty and the stress on families where there's been work hours reduced, where there have been uh, jobs that have been lost, people have been laid off or furloughed. Many of the people in our worship team, because of the industry that they're in, the gig industry, uh, have lost so much of their employment opportunities. They're, they join the list of many in our own church family and in our community, among your neighbors and friends, for whom we need to be praying that God will provide, that God will bring an end to this disease sooner rather than later. But here we are, April 5th, they say that the peak of the the pain of this virus could be April 15th. That's still a week away. April 15th, of course, is always a day of pain in America, but it's particularly going to be a, a day of pain, a time of pain like we cannot imagine. And we don't know how long this virus is going to be around to affect us. And there's even now concerns about the return of the virus, just like other viruses, like the flu virus. But the Lord on high, the Lord who is above all things. Mighty is the Lord. There's a fourth reality that give us stability, that give us strength, that give us encouragement today, but also into the future. We've looked back to the past. You are from eternity. Your throne was established long ago, God. We've looked into the future. Our world is being rocked, and yet Mightier than all the noises that frighten us, mighty is the Lord who's on high. But number four, two realities secure our future. Two realities secure our future. God's words and God's home. God's words and God's home. Here's what David says. Here's how David closes. With the fifth call out, the fifth praise of God, the name of God, the personal name of God, Yahweh, he says, your statutes, Lord, they stand firm. Your statutes stand firm. And holiness adorns or beautifies your house. Your statutes and your house. Your words and your home. Those two realities we can count on. Those two realities are there for us for endless days. So letter eight, God's words, write down, absolutely reliable. 
God's words, absolutely reliable. I've taken in more information, more data over the past two or three weeks than I have probably in years. And I'm a data gatherer. I like information. But uh, I have experienced, as I've said recently, information overload, as you have. But we've watched, I've watched more of the evening news because many of you know I'm not a fan of evening news, particularly local uh, evening news. Uh, but to keep informed, we need to be aware of what's going on around us and to keep the people around us healthy and strong and the people that we encounter the same. But have you spent additional time in this season in God's word? Can you say with the psalmist as he says elsewhere, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation day and night. I think about it all the time. I reflect on it all the time. Statutes here, uh, many people think when they hear the, the phrase of statutes or the law of God, they think about just the maybe rules. But God is described, uses the word law to talk about his his loving instruction as our Father, his training, his words of encouragement and shaping and direction and discipline. It, it, it probably is a, a reference to God's covenant with men and women, as described in God's word, including the revelation of God's wonderful acts, including the revelation of God's very character, along with those laws. And he says that your statutes stand firm. Another translation would be, your statutes, your, your instruction is faithful. In other words, God's word, his revelation to those he is in relationship with, they're true. They are reliable. It's a point that's made repeatedly throughout the book of Psalms. Psalm 12, 19 and 119 says uh, Alan Ross. So not only is the Lord majestic, clothed in majesty, and powerful, he is armed with strength. He is also trustworthy in everything he says. I encourage you, this week, would you carve out time every day to spend some time in the word of God, listening for the heart of God, trying to align yourself with the ways of God, and see if it doesn't help your heart. I'm doing a, a daily uh, encouragement that's been a bit of a challenge to write. It takes me about 45 minutes to an hour to write them, but I do it because I, I want to do something on a daily basis that if anybody's out there that wants it, it's on our website. You can find it very easily. It's called uh, Encouragement for Today. And you know, I found it's tremendously helpful. And the person I found it has helped the most, it's me. Because it drives me to God's word. It, it drives me to slow down, to read carefully, to read thoughtfully. It, it, it drives me to kind of dig deep into God's word and just to think about what God's trying to communicate to my heart right now. Because I, I get as anxious as anybody. I uh, come from a family of warriors. I believe I have some family members watching. I love you. But... Uh, we have a family of warriors, of war, not warriors, but probably warriors too, but warriors. But we want to be warrior warriors. And we do that by arming ourselves with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Spend time in God's word. Remind yourselves every day 
our God reigns. What we see on the news is not the whole story. What we hear from friends does not tell the entire narrative of God's involvement in our world. God's words are absolutely reliable, but let her be. He also says that holiness adorns or beautifies your house. He's talking to God. He's talking to the Lord. The fifth time here, your statutes, Lord, the fifth time, the personal name for God is addressed, affirmed, praised, and blessed. Holiness adorns your house, O God. What's he saying here? He's saying our sanctuary is beautiful. I think we have a a beautiful sanctuary, but our, our sanctuary is not the house of God. Our, our, our worship center here, this isn't Bethany. People sometimes will come and say, uh, how'd you first find out about Bethany, or what brought you to Bethany? And it's usually a friend. But sometimes people will say, well, I saw your church while I was driving by. Well, you couldn't have, unless we were all in here, or all outside, gathered, because the church is where the people of God are. Well, let me tell you about this. God's home, absolutely beautiful. That's letter B. That's our final point. We've got three bullets to follow. Adorn. It's a word that comes from the world of beauty. Holiness is the beauty of your temple. In the Song of Solomon, the beautiful princess bride is referred to as being comely, lovely, drop-dead gorgeous. That's the word that's used here. Holiness is the beauty of your temple. Your home is beautiful. And Isaiah 52.7 says that that word uh, translates that beautiful. What are we trying to say here? Well, the temple was the center of the national and religious life of Israel. This is where God chose to dwell according to the, whole, whole, uh, the Hebrew scriptures, where sacrifices for the forgiveness of sin could be made, where the country's leading teachers could be heard in the vast temple courts. It's where pilgrims gathered in tens of thousands, especially at Passover time, the week that's approaching us, to sing and to pray to the one true God. John Dixon writes, writes these words. Uh, some of the disciples of Jesus, Luke 21, not in your notes, but Luke 21, 5 and 6, some of Jesus' disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. The temple that is there, the temple mount in present-day Israel is not the temple mount that was there during the time of Jesus. It was the thing of beauty, and it was the spiritual home of all these people. But when Jesus came, three things came that the temple pointed to and the reality was to come. And the first was Jesus, the new temple. Jesus in John 2 says, listen, you tear down this temple, I'll raise it again in three days. People were upset, thinking he's talking about he's going to do it as an act of political revolution or spiritual revolution, tear down the temple, but raise it again somehow. He was talking, John said, about the temple of his body. Jesus is the new temple. The temple was the home of God, and Jesus said, there's a new house of God. The Father dwells among his people in me. I 
and the Father are one, and he lives in me, and I in him. Number two, it gets stranger, folks. The temple, that thing of beauty, now is the body of Christ. It's the family of God. It's the church family, if you will. That's the new temple. Paul wrote these words in 1 Corinthians. He wrote to a town who knew about temples, who knew about worshiping gods. A temple in the ancient world were magnificent things, things of light and beauty and glory. He wrote, don't you know that you yourselves, it's a plural here, it's, well, I like to say it in, in Greek, it's the southern, it's all y'all, right? Don't you know that all y'all, all of you, together, are God's temple? He goes on to amplify, and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. That's why if anyone destroys God's temple, he's not talking about a building, they're talking about the people of God. If anybody destroys the people of God, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. And you, yourselves, are God's temple. Nobody would desecrate a kind of a place of worship, and yet God says actually that we are the place where God makes himself at home. Are you a part of a church family? Right now, while we're physically separated, we need to be more closely than ever emotionally and spiritually connected. We're physically isolated. You need this connection. If you're watching, you're part of the Bethany family. You may not know it. Pat yourself on the back. We welcome you. We're glad that you're joining us. But the third statement is even more bizarre to me. The house of God in the beautiful, magnificent temple covered with beautiful stones with gifts dedicated to God now, number three, the followers of Jesus are the new temple. Not just us collectively, but each one of us individually. The new temple. Listen to his words, verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 6. It's in your notes. Do you not know that your bodies, that's your body right now, right? Your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. This Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought at a price, which leads us to this week that we're in, this week of Palm Sunday, heading toward the cross of Calvary, where Jesus died on the Friday that we now call good, but was not good for him. You were not your own. You were bought with a price. Jesus loved you so much that he gave his life for you, that you might experience God's life. So honor God with your body. And we're going to pause and we're going to take the Lord's table together. If you're at home, gather whatever liquid you have there, hot tea, as Pastor Brandon encouraged, water, juice, soda, whatever is available to you. We're in exigent times, so we have to adapt. And whatever bread you have, crack or whatever is appropriate as we remember what Jesus did for us. But I want to say before we go there, just take 30 seconds and say this. If you don't know Jesus, this morning he invites you into relationship. He extends to you his hand and says, 
take my hand in yours. Allow me to be part of your life. I am willing to not just begin a, a partnership with you. I, I'm willing to come and enter your life so that you can be the temple of the Holy Spirit, so that the Holy Spirit can be in you, so that God himself can fill you and flood your life. If you've never welcomed God into your life, do it right now. Pray a simple prayer like this. Just follow along with me, either kind of under your breath, quietly, silently, whatever it is, right where you are seated. Living God, I, I believe that you reign even though our world is being rocked. But we believe that you are more powerful. I believe that you've got this. But I want to put my trust in you because I can't trust on the, thing, the things that I am seeing. I can't even trust all the things that I'm hearing sometimes. So much false information has come out about what we should do, about what is happening, about the severity of what's going on, about how bad it could get. I want to put my trust in you, not our government, not the news media, not my friends who think they have all the answers in you. I ask you to come into my life. I believe that, Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins, and you died to bring me new life and hope and show me a new way of living to teach me the path of love. I welcome you, and I ask you to begin now to teach me what it means to be part of a church family, to teach me what it means to be the temple of the Holy Spirit as an individual follower of Jesus Christ. I belong to Jesus. And Jesus is King. So we're going to take uh, the Lord's table right now. As our worship team comes. The week of Pentecost had come. The day had come on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus is about to become the Passover lamb. He celebrates with the people of God, his friends and followers, those 12 who, yes, Judas was still there. Those 12s were his closest friends and companions, his mentees as he taught them the way of life. And they gathered for the Lord's table, which was a time of looking back in their history as the people of God to the time when they were captives in, e in Egypt. For over 430 years, they were enslaved. They had no freedom. They had no future. They had no liberty and God set them free through the blood of an innocent lamb and Jesus gathered to celebrate with them and he he took that bread he took that bread and God's word said he gave thanks thank you God for this bread that he's about to explain to them represents his body he gave thanks thank you God that you've given us bodies bodies that are vulnerable bodies that is bodies that can experience viral infections, bodies that are often weak, wounded, frail, human bodies, limited bodies. He broke it as his body would be broken. And he gave it to them. He said, this is my body broken for you. As you take the bread, whatever bread you have right there, boys and girls, men and women, God says, this is my body broken for you. Oh, how he loves us. Take the bread.
and take the, the cup. And Jesus said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. The new, the new covenant in my blood. I've got to give a whole another message here, but don't have time. The Holy Spirit, promised of God, came individually on single charismatic leaders in the time of the Hebrew Scriptures. But Jesus said, after my death, the Holy Spirit's going to come on everyone who believes. The Spirit of God is the very life and breath of God himself. And our relationship with God, our relationship with this Holy Spirit, who can refresh us, wash us, encourage us, comfort us, strengthen us, was purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Join me, would you? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, customarily at Bethany, we have a second offering at this time, not because we're greedy. This money goes into a separate fund called the Fellowship Fund, and we use that money to reach out to our community, to the needs that are there, people who are lacking in food. We support our food pantry in part through that. We reach out to people who have uh, maybe not able to pay their rent or in danger of losing their home or they've recently uh, come onto, onto hard times. Bethany family, community people, we're going to need to stock up our fellowship fund now more than ever to reach out to those around us who are going through difficult times. Would you give especially gener generously right now? And you're saying, well, I'm not sure how to do that. We don't have the ushers, don't have offering plates. Well, you, you've got fortunately cell phones, computers, tablets. Uh, you can still write checks. Young people, you have to ask your parents what that means. Send it to the church. You can designate money for the fellowship fund to help people all around us. Who knows how badly we're going to be hit in the next week or two weeks or three weeks. Our world, our community, our, our neighbors and friends will need the help and the service of the people of God. So I encourage you right now, go online, give something to the fellowship fund. You can designate there, uh, whether it's the Easter offering or the fellowship fund or just your regular tithes and offerings if you're Bethany members, your regular tenders. You can designate where that money will go. We encourage your generosity. 